and welcome to episode 119 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? Before we start this week's episode, we have an official apology to make. In the last couple of weeks, I received messages from two listeners which I thought were important to address and I've kind of learned that from doing this podcast that if one person messages you then lots of other people are actually thinking it and to be honest when these two people messaged I was absolutely mortified by the things that we had said so I think it's really important as well to say that the messages that these people sent us were really kind and thoughtful and gentle but they did point out a couple of things that we have said which were problematic And the first one was that in a much earlier episode, we used a word to describe a Native American woman, which, if you Google it, will tell you that it's incredibly offensive. But we didn't Google it. And in our own ignorance, we used the word flippantly. It is a slur and it's not a word that we will ever use again. And I'm so embarrassed that it's out there. And hopefully by the time this episode airs, I will have found it and removed it. But it doesn't actually change the fact that we said it in the first place and that thousands of people have heard us saying that. So that's the first apology. And the second is that we used the term former native land in a recent episode. And that phrase is oxymoronic. It's probably likely, to be honest, when I when I really thought about this, that we've used similar phrasing in other episodes too and when talking about native lands if you use the word former it minimalizes the suffering of native people and we're really sorry for that so if you listened to that and you thought well hang on a second that's not actually an appropriate phrase to use then I'm sorry that we caused any offense and we do our best we do try our best to kind of ensure that we're sensitive to different cultures and communities but We don't always get it right. And for that, I am sorry. And to kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. We would like to thank David Morris. Diane Chanda. Emma Cook. McCrazy M. Katie Murphy. Rowanna Bond. Jeannie W. Liz. Matt Osborne. Mobin Khan. Brenda Murphy. Kim Wicks. Alexandra McElhaney. Elaine Harold. Chrissy Ryan. Miranda. Shanice Martin. Lizzie Sachette. Kayla Hendricks. Virginia Jimenez. Thank you so much for being our Patreon subscribers. We love you and we appreciate you every day. I was listening to another podcast the other day with a girl on it from a similar part of Ireland to me. And she also said appreciate. So it must be a regional thing. <laughs> the mystery has been solved. There you go. I would also like to give a massive shout out today to Ava, Fionn and Liam who have been listening to the podcast since the very beginning with their mam. But unfortunately, they lost their dog Poppy the other day and are very upset by it, understandably. Um, The eldest is 13 and Poppy was also 13 years old. So she has been a big part of their life for a very long time. So this is just a little hello to Ava, Fionn and Liam and that we're thinking of you. And our film review this week. Our film review is Let the Right One In. Let the Right One In was released in 2008. It has 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb and 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Would you like a synopsis? Oh, yes, please. When Oscar, a sensitive, bullied 12-year-old boy living with his mother in suburban Sweden, meets his new neighbour, the mysterious and moody Ellie, they strike up a friendship. 
Initially reserved with each other, Oscar and Ellie slowly form a close bond, but it soon becomes apparent that she is no ordinary young girl. Eventually, Ellie shares her dark, macabre secret with Oscar, revealing her connection to a string of bloody local murders. What were your thoughts on this film? I thought it was brilliant. I think it's definitely different to what we've watched because I don't think at any point I found it particularly scary. No, it's definitely not a traditional horror. Somebody commented on Instagram saying, if I watch this, will I be really scared if I watch it alone? And actually you wouldn't. No. This is definitely a film that you could watch on your own and feel safe to sleep at night after watching it. Yeah, I think it's, in a way, it's kind of heartwarming. Which is an odd thing to say about a movie that involves multiple deaths. Um, Quite gruesome deaths (laughs) at times as well. (laughs) I guess it's really about a bond of friendship, isn't it? between two kids and if you think about it in that frame of mind it's nice yeah two outcasts forming a friendship and bonding together to to, in spite of the world but dear god is it also very dark (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've you know you feel sorry for oscar throughout because he's obviously been really severely bullied and the character of the kid that is doing the bullying They've just created him in a way that you just feel like he's a complete dirtbag from the moment, from from the, right from the beginning, right up to the end. And it's terrible to say that about a child, right? But I mean, Oscar is really badly bullied, and it just breaks your heart the whole way through. And I think bullying does that in films in a very particular way, absolutely, because you just want to protect him, especially when he's so vulnerable and innocent looking, as well as being vulnerable and innocent in life, and you just. I just hated the kid that was bullying him so much. I just wanted to beat him up. As a, yeah. as a grown <laughs> woman, I wanted to beat him up. And you learn very early on in the film, so this isn't a spoiler, but you learn that Ellie's a vampire. Yeah. And what I really liked is that this film plays with all of the classic vampire tropes, but really subtly. So if you think about what we do in the shadows, yeah. being one end of the spectrum of vampire tropes, and let the right one in being the other end of the far more subtle <laughs> spectrum. I just thought it was really clever. Really clever. It was really clever. And I, that, and for me being quite sort of, I don't know, used to Hollywood movies and stuff, it's quite nice to see it set somewhere else and then speak in different language and see different cultures and customs. And Oscar comes from a home where his parents are no longer together. And you see like the kid has obviously has great joy just being in the outdoors with his dad but also enjoys dancing around the sitting room of his small flat with his mum so you see quite a nice little relationship and it doesn't develop anything more than that really between the relationships between the parents but it's nice I really struggled with so Ellie has a man who's with her that's not her dad and I I haven't read the book so I don't know what the relationship is between Ellie and that man it didn't seem to be like what you might think it didn't seem to be that insidious but this man is murdering people for ellie and i was thinking what who are you that you are doing this for this 12 year old girl but she's actually hundreds of years old but was turned at 12 is very complex i get the impression like it felt like to me that it was like a continuation of her story so that she goes through a cycle of 12 year old companions that grow up they grow up and she doesn't they get to the end yeah. and then she meets another 12 and it just goes on 
I wondered that as well. If you've read the book, can you message me and let me know if that's true? Because I'm not going to read it. So I thought you were asking me if I've read it. I was like, <laughs> no, but I and it's it it's visually very beautiful as well because it's snowing the entire time throughout the film, and a lot of the time Ellie's in like her bare feet or in short sleeves and. God bless the actress who played her. Yeah, fair play to her because they're definitely <laughs> outside for the majority of those scenes and she's not wearing many clothes. So she must have been absolutely frozen or just a really hardy 12-year-old, which is possible. It's just a beautiful film, really. I mean, there's there's very little to say about it without ruining it. It's just, it is beautiful. I thought, like when I was watching it, I was really heartwarmed by it, which is such a weird thing to say when this... <laughs> These people are being brutally murdered in the locality. In not the first 10 minutes of the film, you see a horrendous murder. Yeah, it is still somehow a very hot woman film. <laughs> I don't really understand how. And there are moments where you see uh, Ellie's powers, but you only ever see them for like these really brief glimpses. You know, in vampire films, you usually see these long drawn out references to like the things they're able to do. But with, that, with Ellie, you don't. Nope. You just get these little glimpses of what she can actually do and it's very dark but then completely overshadowed by their relationship and how lovely it is <laughs> and often happens in the background as well yes so ellie's powers aren't in the center of the shot so whatever the shot is there's something else going on in the foreground and you see ellie's powers just if you happen to catch a glimpse of it rather than it being in your face for the majority of it there's a couple of moments where it needs to be in your face because that's the point <laughs> it's just very clever I'd seen this film many years ago. I don't think I've seen the American version, but I had seen this version, the Swedish version of the film, when I think when I was in uni, so a long, long time ago. And I loved it then, and I loved it as much now when I rewatched it. I just, it's just lovely. It's a lovely film. Totally different than what anything we've watched recently. Very unlike the other film that we saw with a kid called Eli or Ellie in it. Do you remember oh, that one yeah. where he's like the spawn of well, Satan? Satan. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Totally different film. So what would you give this film out of five? I think, I think I'd give it four and a half, I think. It, it was very good. I don't know whether it was like the best film I've ever seen. So maybe I'm being a bit harsh, only giving it four and a half because it was really good. And it totally wasn't what I was expecting. It's beautifully shot. I like the characterization. I liked seeing parts of the life of the side characters as well. So yeah, four and a half. I'm going to give it a four. And my reasoning is incredibly personal. The first is that I don't think it's really... If you're looking for a really scary film, this isn't it. But this is going to be... This is so petty. (laughs) I really struggle with bodily fluids. (laughs) Oh, I know what this is. Blood I can deal with. Other bodily fluids I cannot. And I can't watch an entire film with a child with a runny nose it, i just <laughs> i just can't do it i just i just couldn't it just stressed me out okay i know that's very petty i know that's probably very immature but that that's i'm taking a whole a whole ass star off for his continual runny nose which i also understand is part of his character and the fact that it's blooming cold my nose runs all the time when it's freezing yeah, so i know i know it's unfair but i'm going for it i'm sorry and just quickly before we move on on the subject of bodily fluids it is violent but it's not overtly gory so you can deal with it it's measured violence which brings us to our story this week oh moly we're taking a step back in time and we're revisiting one of our popular episodes based on the fact that we watched Let the Right One In. 
What do you think we might be revisiting today? I feel like, but I'm really hoping it's not. I feel like it might be Black Eyed Kids. In episode 28, we talked in detail about the Black Eyed Kids. Mm. So it might be worthwhile re-listening to that episode before we start this one. But if you don't want to do that, we'll do a brief recap. The Black Eyed Kids is a modern cult paranormal phenomenon that was first reported by a man named Brian Bethel in 1998 and has gained traction ever since. Each story that has circulated is eerily similar. People may be at home or in their car and they will receive a knock on their door. The victim will open the door and be met with a child or children. The children are always reported to be deathly pale, thin and have completely black eyes. They are universally accompanied by a sudden feeling of dread and absolute fear. They ask to be let into the house or car. There are some reports of the black-eyed kids being able to display inhuman strength or being able to run at the speed of a moving car. Some report that the black-eyed kids are accompanied by black-eyed adults who lurk silently in the background keeping just out of sight. There are many theories as to what the black-eyed kids are. Are they vampires or aliens, skinwalkers or demons or simply an urban legend that has been repeated ad nauseum on internet forums? Originally, I'd planned on reading eyewitness accounts of black-eyed kids that were trolled from the depths of the internet. But in my search, I came across a newspaper article in the Birmingham Live newspaper entitled Black-Eyed Child Returns to Haunt Canuck Chase. I decided to give it a cursory read. We've been doing this podcast for a long time, and it is rare that I get really disturbed by a story. But for the first time in a long time, sitting in the office in broad daylight, I read an eyewitness account, closed the laptop and went downstairs because I was afraid to be alone. Cannock Chase is a 26 square mile area of forest to the north of Birmingham, England. It is considered an area of outstanding natural beauty and is also widely accepted that it is the home of many strange and bizarre phenomenon. It was first inhabited by a Celtic tribe who worshipped a horned god, which is still celebrated to this day. It was witness to poisonings, bizarre and horrific animal mutilations, military training camps and later prisoner of war camps, and in the 1960s a serial killer. It's important to note at this point that the stories of Canuck Chase are not limited to black-eyed children. There was a report of a girl that was attacked by what she could only describe as a werewolf, who then had to attend the local hospital to have her wounds seen to. The wounds then inexplicably sprouted dark, coarse hairs, to which there seemed to be no medical diagnosis for. Medical records from the time verified these claims. It is home to giant sea serpents capable of dragging a fully grown man into a lake, and to big cats that are not native to the UK. It is also home to the infamous and terrifying Pigman, which is exactly what it sounds like, but a story for another day. Throughout the years, Canuck Chase has been a favoured hangout spot for local teenagers. Secluded but safe, it was a place where they could let their hair down away from the prying eyes of local villagers. Lizzie was no different, and was hanging out with her friends in the summertime, It was evening and the sun was beginning to set. 
Lizzie had decided to make her way home and was ambling along a path in the forest when she suddenly heard the frantic cries of a child. She stopped dead in the pathway and listened. But there was silence. The only sound was the whispering of the leaves in the trees and the occasional distant rustle. She continued, thinking that maybe it was one of her friends or maybe she was imagining things. She had only gone a couple of paces when she heard it again, definite and loud, the terrified cries of a child. Without thinking, Lizzie took off into the woods, sprinting towards the sound. There was a child out here in danger and she needed to find them. She raced through the trees and ducked beneath the low-hanging branches. And then she saw it. A child was running through the trees ahead of her, a little girl. Lizzie called out to her and could hear the frantic cries of the little girl. She was screaming for her mother. No matter how hard Lizzie ran, the girl was always out of reach. And then suddenly, she turned and made direct eye contact with Lizzie. And then she was gone. And yet again, the forest was silent. Lizzie continued running and continued searching, but found nothing. Eventually, she looked down and realised that her feet were covered in blood. She had obviously hurt herself somehow, but had not felt or noticed the injury in her desperation to find the child. She knew that she needed to get her injured foot seen to, but also that she needed to call the police. She was convinced that there was a child lost in the woods and in peril. No child was ever found, and Lizzie continued to believe that she had seen a real child, but she couldn't forget her eyes because they were black. And then other stories began to surface. In 2013, a mother and daughter were walking through an area of Cannock Woods called Birch Valley. It was early afternoon, on a beautiful warm and sunny day. The pair chatted as they strolled, listening to the sounds of the wind in the trees and the call of the birds. The tranquil summer sounds were broken suddenly by the frantic screaming of a young child. The mother and daughter stopped and listened, and it was definitely not an animal. It was a child, screaming and crying, and they couldn't tell if it was a boy or a girl, they just knew that the child was young and in danger. They took off running in the direction of the cries, but became quickly disorientated as the sounds seemed to come from all around them. They stopped to catch their breath and tried to pinpoint the sound of the cries, when they realised that the screaming had stopped. The mother turned, and there standing behind them but a few feet away, was a little girl. She couldn't have been anything more than ten years old, and she was just standing there, silently, with her hands over her eyes, as though she was counting in a game of hide-and-seek. The mother got a peculiar feeling in the pit of her stomach and took a few steps forward towards the child. The child removed her hands from her eyes and cocked her head to one side looking at the mother dead in the face. Her eyes were black, completely black. There was no iris, no whites, no pupil, nothing, just black. The mother gasped and stumbled backwards to grab her own child in fear 
and by the time she looked back at the girl, she was gone, vanished into thin air, and all that was left was the sounds of the summer. It was dawn in September of 2014, and a couple headed out for their morning dog walk. This was their early morning routine, and it was nice to get out into the woods before it became busy with locals out for their own strolls. It felt like they had the entire place to themselves. Their walk started along the road, now silent and devoid of any cars, and eventually they veered off the road and deep into the woodland. It seemed as though the moment they had lost sight of the roadway that something changed in the woods. There was an eerie silence. Not unusual before the birds began their dawn chorus. But the silence was penetrated by something that sounded very out of place. It was the shrill, excited giggle of a little girl. At first they thought they imagined it. And then they wondered if it was the sound of some bird waking up. And then it was unavoidable that it was definitely the sound of a small child giggling and laughing in the distance. Suddenly in front of them, in the middle of the footpath, there appeared a little girl. She was small and stood like she was waiting for them. She was facing them with her eyes wide and a smile frozen on her face. Her neck was bent almost as though she had been hung. The couple stopped. The wife had gasped in shock at the sudden bizarre sight. They didn't move and the girl didn't move. She just stared, completely still. And it was then that they noticed that her eyes were black. They were devoid of any colour or definition. Just solid black. They stood in silence for a few minutes until eventually the little girl sprinted off into the dense forest and they couldn't find any trace of her. In December 2016, John was returning from visiting family and had parked his car outside the house in the early hours of the morning. It was still pitch black, and he was absolutely shattered. He had just turned off the ignition, and glanced up briefly when he noticed that there was a small girl standing between two cars across the road. She was standing still and silent, with her back to him. He didn't have time to think before she turned around and met his gaze, and he was instantly filled with a deep and intense sense of fear. She lifted her hand in his direction, and he felt as though he had been shocked with electricity. His whole body was on fire, and he was sure that he was dying. And then, in an instant, she was gone, and the pain was gone. He was still sitting in his car, car keys in hand ready to open the door and get out. He exhaled and felt his face, determined that he must have been dreaming. What happened can't have been real. Maybe he dozed off for a second in the car and dreamed the whole ridiculous event. He slumped back in his seat and glanced up at the rearview mirror to see two jet black eyes and a pale face staring back at him. She was in the car. He instantly panicked and tried to grab the door handle. Before he managed to scramble out of the car, he felt her cold breath on his ear, and he thought he heard her say the words, The end comes after the rain. 
There were a number of stories where people have claimed to have seen this girl and as she gets close to them she says something about rain. One report states that a dog walker saw her early in the morning. She was floating three feet off the ground and turned to face him and said the rain is coming and with that the heavens opened. Another dog walker reported coming face to face with her on a late night walk, having the torch in his hand go out and feeling her slip her hand into his. When he got the torch back, she shot straight upwards into the night sky. There were a few reports of her appearing right before people's faces and then shooting upwards into the sky. And other reports of her pointing a finger at people and them feeling like an electric shock or a great force pushed them backwards. These stories came from people of all ages and all walks of life. But where did they come from? Lee Brickley wrote a book called UFOs, Werewolves and the Pigman, exposing England's strangest location, Cannock Chase. In this book, he briefly outlines the history of the area and some of the paranormal phenomena that has been reported there. He tells the story of his aunt, who saw a child in the woods in the 1980s. The story caught the attention of both national and local newspapers because a slew of stories from people in the local area who all claimed to have seen or experienced the same little girl came flooding in. Brickley went on to print these stories in a further book called The Black-Eyed Child of Canuck Chase, which all of today's stories have been adapted from. In my search for information about Canuck Chase, I found another spooky little story that I know Dan will love. On the 28th of January 2021, a 64-year-old woman was trekking through the forest. She decided to take an alternative route through the forest, off the beaten path, and found herself in a clearing that she had never been before. She knew she had never been there before because the clearing was full of dolls. Doll after doll hung up and nailed to the trees, clearly having been there for quite some time. There is another aspect of this story that I thought was particularly interesting. Earlier on I mentioned that there was a serial killer that operated in the local area. In the 1960s, Raymond Leslie Morris was sentenced to life in prison for the murder of three little girls. I won't go into the details of the case, but it is suspected that he was responsible for the murder of two other little girls too. The bodies of the victims were found in the woods of Cannock Chase. Well, thank you so much for the stories this week. I mean, I, I really enjoyed Let Me In, uh, Let the Right One In rather. It was, a, it was a good film, but the fact that it's now led to tales of black-eyed little ghost girls and forest clearings full of dolls is um... you can see why i came downstairs <laughs> earlier and i was like i've just read a really scary story can i just need to be down here for a little while i'm just this oh it was the bent neck one that got me by yeah, the way i knew it was that when was... you were reading them i was like i know which one this is so that oh. one was from the newspaper report the bent neck one and i was like and nope absolutely not see you later came downstairs to make myself feel better awful i just i can't even like i imagine what would happen to me if i was out walking tiny bim in the forest which is a regular occurrence (laughs) i have a vision of it in my mind and it's very ridiculous i'm here for it uh and i came across a clearing for the dolls i think it's likely that the dolls have been added late later 
after the stories have come out. Like, I don't think the dolls are related or like anything paranormal, but I still think they're terrifying. Like I would, knowing that, like if I was in Canic Chase and I was like, oh, there's all these stories about this little girl. And then I came across Clearing Full of Dolls, I would shit myself. I mean, it could very well just be like a, like just people lay memorials for people, don't they? And and toys for kids is, is something that happens. So I get it. But I mean, that is, I could think of fewer ter- more terrifying things to come across in the wood, to be honest. <laughs> Give me a werewolf, a vampire, I don't know, Black Philip. Anything. Anything. Just that is horrifying. The thought of stumbling across that is just like, I would probably actually wet myself. So what do you think this black eyed little girl is? Now, it seems to be, according to Lee Brickley, who I have contacted, by the way, I emailed him and I was like, do you want to do an interview? I'm interested to hear what you have to say. It's the same little girl. So it's not like a series of little girls. She's always described in the same way. But the things that she apparently does are horrific. I, this doesn't sound like your atypical black eyed child case. She sounds like she may have some emo tendencies, particularly with that line about the rain. The end comes after the rain, yep. Which is definitely an emo album, if ever I heard one. I, an emo album that I would definitely still listen to. <laughs> definitely. So if, if, you, if she is thinking of releasing an album, you've got two customers right here, babe. But maybe don't put a photo of yourself with a bent neck or, or that clearing full of dolls on the cover because that will stop the sales, the two guaranteed sales you've got. It, does, it sounds like a haunting to me, but it just seems to be so much evidence. This is the thing about this that really right. like set me on edge because when I found the newspaper report, there were two basic stories, like a couple of line stories that I've obviously turned into a bit of a narrative. And I thought, oh, I, don't, I can't really do that much with that, those two little stories. And then I found this guy's book with all of these stories that have been submitted and I thought well this can fuck right off yeah I think you know woods are quite spooky anyway without having little girl ghosts running around and clearings full of dolls I just it just sounds like a haunting to me and like part of me you know for 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 the love of the narrative part of me likes no it doesn't like that's the wrong word part of me suspects it could be a victim of this and, and that serial killer story is real I yeah. just I'm not going to go into the details of the yeah, case yeah. I didn't even to be honest I didn't even read the details because I got as far as the Wikipedia page and I didn't need to read anymore because it was horrific yeah. Um. so yes it could absolutely be the victims but how does that explain her shooting off into the sky ghosts can do stuff ghosts can do stuff that's true <laughs> that's just so, the tagline somewhere because <laughs> there were there were genuinely a number of stories yeah. where people claimed that they saw her she was like stood in the middle of a pathway and she would raise her hand and they would be like feel like they were being shoved backwards whoa so that's that's kind of different that's that's not ghostly stuff that we've come across before i think no that is a bit odd but it does make me think of have you ever seen that footage from uh from the huge graveyard in savannah georgia of the boy ghost that jumps into the tree yes Whoa. yes <laughs> if you haven't seen that video <laughs> i'm sure if you youtube ghost in graveyard savannah yeah or something along those lines it'll come up but it's a 
I know exactly the video and it's a really scary one. It's so, so it's... scary. And that's really atypical ghost behavior because yes, he jumps into a tree and I can't, it may well be fake. And like in 20 years, someone might come out and say, oh, this is how they did it. But at the moment, I cannot see how that was faked at all. It It's bizarre. So in that video, you see the outline of a child in the distance. So it's not like a really up close video. You see the outline of a child in the distance and then the entity, whatever it is, the shadow, literally just springs vertically up into a tree. It's which, it's which, horrific. It could like you could up until the it point really where it's silly when you say it. Yeah, but, but up until the point where it goes into the tree, you could easily say, Oh, it's just, you know, it's the light daffled on an actual child or whatever, you know, like there's excuses for it, but that movement is so unnatural. And that video is what came into my head when you said about the girl zooming off. Because it seems really, yeah, and I don't mean that she zoomed off into the sky like Superman, like Superman, <laughs> one arm in the air, off she went, like as in she just went vertically, and then the people didn't see her anymore. Yeah. So and disappeared. I guess is probably a better way to put it, rather than she zoomed off into the sky like Superman. That's not what I mean. Yeah, but that's isn't that the same thing? Yeah, it, you're right. I never even yeah, thought of that I, video until you said it. It's just like, I feel like, and I, I do think there's other cases of entities being able to get enough power to do stuff to us physically, like happens to Zach Vegans all the time. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, no, there are, I think there's other, there are, I've read on and listened to and seen other stories where people have said about, you know, feeling prevented from moving forward or feeling forced backwards I think it's just the distance between them that makes this one slightly different in that it was almost like she was using her powers over them. It's very Stranger Things. Mm, uh, very... Like 11 Stranger Things vibes. But I, I found it, I found the whole thing really disturbing. And it might be that this this author, I'm not trying to like besmirch his name, it might be that he has made this up or like made up the story submissions or exaggerated them or whatever that might be the case. But I'm going to believe that it isn't the case. And if these experiences are true then holy moly like how scary is that i mean this is somewhere we could go although i really do not want to see the clearing full of dolls i definitely want to go here <laughs> like how you've got not only you've got this black-eyed child oh but there's a whole load of other stuff in his book right you've got like ufos there's been loads of ufo sightings there there is like this werewolf there is the pig man that's been seen numerous times. There were very alarming stories about the pig man, but I thought, you know, I can't even go down this road right now. Why did I say I wanted to go there again? I'm not sure. If I came face to face with a pig man, I would be very frightened. All the bravado would go out the window. Well, I'm all like influenced by the Saw character on Dead by Daylight now. And that's all I can think of when you say pig man. And that she's freaky. So, yeah, I'm moving on that one. Do you know what terrified me most about this whole story, other than the clearing in the dolls, obviously, was the guy who looked in his rearview mirror. That's another rearview mirror story. <laughs> there was another rearview mirror story after that, oh. which I didn't include, which was somebody picked her up in their car, driving past the woods because they thought, oh my God, this child, like she's on her own, she's lost. And the child got into the car and then the person looked in the rearview mirror and made eye contact with the child and then immediately was like, uh-oh. <laughs> this isn't good oh dear god and when they pulled over the car she wasn't there anymore um, but then I, hitchhiker stories are yeah. commonplace aren't they i haven't done this for a while but i feel like this is a a good point for a psa oh okay if you come across a lost child in the wood 
ignore them? No. <laughs> I would suggest not putting them in your car because if it is a real child, that also raises some issues. I would suggest calling the police and waiting with them. That way you're not inviting them in anywhere. <laughs> and the child is getting dealt with. <laughs> so that is my safety announcement here. Please do not put children in your car. If you Ever. If they did not belong to you. <laughs> I can tell you though, the next time that I'm driving at night time, this, I know this is going to, I know in my, this is going to go through my head and I'm going to be looking in the rearview mirror going, oh my God, she's going to be here any second. We live a bazillion miles away from Cannock <laughs> Chase, but it doesn't matter. She'll still be there in my head. Oh, it's creepy, man. I don't like, I, I just can't, little girl ghosts. And then this one is, seems to be like super powerful, really odd got a really big doll collection of horror pure horror i can't deal so if you enjoyed today's episode you can find everything you need to know about us on real life ghost stories podcast.com you can send your own spooky story to real life ghost stories podcast at gmail.com if you live in the vicinity of canic chase can you please get in contact with us and let us know if there is any credence to any of these stories or if it's all a load of rubbish. You can support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye.